This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now Welcome, you are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 97, covering the comic books that I read that all came out new, comic book day, Wednesday, March 8th. This particular podcast is a Gordie Howe hat trick without any upper body injuries. I am your comic book loving, happy hockey hosting host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I recommend to you an amazing list of comic books to read every single week that's right maybe you're brand new to comics you really don't know what to get because you go into a comic book store and you're like there's only one thing to buy (laughs) and you just need some help finding something good or maybe you've been reading since they created water like myself since the very thing was created and you just don't know what to get because there's just too many things to select i could save you some time i could save you some clams that's what sunspots comics podcast is for so thank you for finding us please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, all at Sunspots Comics. Easy to find. And check us out on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Tophelat, T-O-P-H-E-E-L-A-T. Thank you, of course, two quick thank yous to one, my friend Nick Papa George for making our amazing Sunspots Comics theme song. I love it. Every single week I love listening to it. I hope you do too. It's just full of love. It's full of me. It's good stuff. Please follow him on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And also thank you to my son Justin Jables Latori. Hello Jables. For making our Sunspots Comics blog. You can also just go over to the internet and plug it in at blog.sunspotscomics.com. And please just follow him on Instagram at just sunspots. So there you go. So quick announcement really quickly as we jump right into something. I have been giving out free comic books on my Instagram at Sunspots Comics. And I've been loving that. It's been getting some great reaction. And I mean, come on, you're listening to a podcast and get free comics. So I'm going to definitely ramp that up and give more free comics out. I've just been giving the Marvel digital codes because I don't read the digital Marvel codes. I don't use them. So I'm giving them out to you like right now. So here is a free one for everyone that's listening. If you're hearing the podcast now, all you got to do is grab this code. Go to marvel.com slash redeem 
And the free comic you will get is Venom Space Knight issue number 10. This is written by Robbie Thompson, art by Kim Yacinto and Trio and Nandito. So sorry if I messed your name up. But here is the free code. It is first come, first serve. So whoever can grab this and go to marvel.com slash redeem, you will get a free comic book from me. Just a little thank you. So here you go. Here is the code. Listen carefully. F is in Frank, C is in Charlie, M is in Mary, N is in Nancy, 6, D is in Door, 956, X is in X-ray, 5, X is in X-ray. Super fast, coming at you. Here you go, flash style. F, C, M, N, 6, D, 956, X, 5, X. There you go. Good luck. Go and get it. It's a free comic book. It's Venom Space Knight, issue number 10. So follow me on Instagram, at Sunspots Comics. Every now and then, I'll just be putting some free comics right on there and just listing the codes out, and you can just go and grab them and go and read them digitally. It's fun stuff. It's a little freebie right here on the Sunspots Comic Podcast to you. So enjoy. Thank you very much for listening. Just a little thank you. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 97, with... Some stuff floating around in my nerd brain. Yes, that's what that sound effect means. And the first thing is that there are two new comic book conventions coming very soon. And the first one's coming up on May 13th in the city of Ontario. It's called Comic Con Revolution. It's the first of its kind for the city of Ontario, so it's a big deal. They're really kind of throwing their hat in the ring here and trying to do the comic book convention thing that's so popular right now all over the world. And uh, they're going to have some great guests lined up. They've just uh, started kind of announcing who's going to be there. Uh, Hope Larson's one that comes to mind. Scott Koblish that does Deadpool. Uh, Wills Portacio's done a ton of things. And one of the creators, founders of Image Comics. Just to name a few, voice actors. Uh, Tim Bradstreet, who does a bunch of covers for Marvel, like Punisher, immediately comes into mind. So just a ton of things. They're just starting to fully kind of announce it and roll it out. And just go to ComicConRevolution.com. It's May 13th. If you live in the Los Angeles area, go check it out. I will definitely be there. Um, as I'm going to have a press pass, so I'll be kind of covering things and, and kind of walking around and interviewing folks and probably grab some things for the podcast. So Comic-Con Revolution. If you live in, in the Los Angeles area, May 13th out in Ontario, California. More information coming, but it's coming up soon, May 13th. So pretty cool. And the other one is in Silicon Valley, and it's called uh, Idiot, <laughs> or it's uh, ID10T, and it's created and hosted by Chris Hardwick of uh, The Nerdist, and he's going to be kind of doing his own take on comic book conventions, which is cool. He's going to have the band Weezer that's opening for them, and a bunch of uh, bands and comedians, and then comic book folks. So just kind of the three of them, those three worlds coming together and colliding, and you can see more of that on ID10Fest.com, ID10TFest. Dot coms and the tickets are on sale now and that looks like it's going to be june 24th and 25th so another one that's coming up really soon and it's uh, going to be in the shoreline amphitheater in silicon valley so very cool i'm hoping to go to that as well weezer i'm a big fan so uh, two comic book conventions coming up very cool so check those out and uh, the last thing that's on my nerd brain is that i'm writing a comic book called zombie destroyers yes i'm doing the writing coloring lettering and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his amazing, beautiful art. Please check his Instagram out, at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is beautiful. Thank you, Jordan. And also check out our website, zombiedestroyers.com. We posted four sample pages there. No colors and no letters yet, just some sample pages on zombiedestroyers.com. So check that out. And just a little update of the comic book. We hope to release it uh, very soon. And right now, Jordan's working on his pencils for pages 19 and 20. And I'm... 
Right now, looking at like 30 pages will be the finale, so I've basically written it out. I'm just kind of, at times, editing myself and chopping it up a little bit, lengthening some parts and shortening some parts. So it uh, looks like issue number one will be 30 pages and complete sometime very soon. This year is what we're hoping for. We're hoping for Q1. It's looking maybe like Q2, and uh, we'll see how things go, of course, because I'm doing all the coloring and everything, so it's going to take a little while. But uh, also, next up is uh, just a mention of our spotlighting. Uh, it's our segment of the podcast where I love to sh- show some light, give some some love to people that are trying to make it or are making it already in the comp community. And we have an interview all set and ready for you. So it's, we're about to start it. It's with Howard Shapiro. He's a writer. He's done these fabulous hockey comic books called Hockey Karma and Hockey Saint. And we'll talk about that here right now. So enjoy the interview. It's me and Howard Shapiro. So here we go. I'm here with Howard Shapiro, author of one of my favorite comic books, and you were able to just bring two of my favorite worlds together with Hockey Karma and with Hockey Saint. How you doing, Howard? Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. How's the weather out there on the East Coast? <laughs> uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, about uh, 20 degrees today, snow. But uh, other than that, uh, we're spring. Uh, the trees outside are blooming, so we're we're close to spring out here. Nice. We're almost the same here in California. It's 80 degrees, clear, uh, sunny, pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Like your next door almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like exactly the same. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time to come to just have a chit-chat with me. I really appreciate it. And I'm a big fan of your work, so I'll probably just fan out on you for a while. No, and... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but uh, just tell me, like, where did the inspiration come from? Where did this idea come from and why comics? Like, how, how did you bring those together? Yeah, you know it's it's a, it's a good question because um, and I get at, when I do interviews I, I always get asked that. Um, I actually did two uh, hockey books back uh, in 2007 and 2008. Um, one was a um, kids picture book, so that was the first one, and then a middle grade novel. And uh, through those, um, you know, I built up some real nice contacts um, in hockey, uh, you know, the hockey world, so to speak. And uh, um, I just I, I kind of displaced them for a while, but and. I got the itch after I did uh, the first graphic novel, um, the, that was back in 2012, to do something, get back into hockey. So it was like a four-year break. And um, the idea is just because, I mean, I think hockey is, um, you know, I mean, I love the game. I played the game, um, you know, such a, a big fan of it. But more so uh, when I was playing it, it taught me a lot. And that's those are things that really stuck with me the whole, um, you know, since I played, we were started, which was probably around like six or seven, you know. Uh, but really playing ice hockey, um, you know, when I was in high school, really, it just taught me so many lessons. And, um, and, uh, so it was just something that was very fun to write about and, you know, very, um, you could use, uh, the characters, uh, in, um, I mean, they could be in really any type of book or story, but, uh, putting them in the hockey world, uh, was, was a lot of fun. And like I said, I just had those contacts and, you know, I, I just didn't want to kind of let those fall by the wayside. So, um, uh, so that's how it came to be. And, um, you know, I think we wrapped it up pretty nicely, hopefully. Um, but uh, hopefully, there's other stories. I, it's now it's like I did two, and then I did, you know, and then two more. And now I'd like to take a break, but I think someday I'll hopefully come back to it again. How did it specifically from um, from writing go to comics? How, how did the leap there, like for the for Karma and Saint specifically, go to comics? Yeah, you know, um, well, that was the thing. I mean, there there was only one other um, uh, Jeff Lemire. Uh, with the Essex County series, if you've seen that. Yes. Um, there was a hockey, it wasn't a theme. I mean, the, the, the two brothers were, were hockey players. That was the only hockey graphic novel, I think, 
So I wanted to kind of do something a little unique or at least try to, um, you know, I, I think uh, when I went to the school visit, this is how I even started doing graphic novels uh, years ago, like in 2008 or nine. And uh, the librarian told me how the, the, the uh, graphic novels were, you know, they couldn't keep them on the shelves. So he said, you know, especially boys really loved them. And um, so I thought, you know, maybe if I could do a hockey book uh, that way uh, or a hockey graphic novel that, you know, again, maybe interests kids and uh, uh, who might not be interested in reading. Uh, and um, so, again, uh, I was just uh, um, just trying to do something unique and, uh, you know, again, get back to the hockey world. Yeah. You know, I, the, it has, like you said, uh, it's not a kind of a sensibility for kids. But like for me, it was something very personal, both both books. Uh, seems like it's a, a little bit of a side story of my younger brother, who is a, a hockey player, almost made it pro. Sure. And, uh, he's now a general manager of a hockey store, and uh, even even the art, uh, it looks like my brother. <laughs> hi, <laughs> hi, Bobby. I know you're he listens to the podcast, so hey, Bob. But it has an anime sort of feel and look to it, and I didn't get the kid's sensibility. I mean, I'm a kid at heart, so I think it uh, yeah. translates to me in just a very universal way, but... Um, how did the, the, the anime style of or the artist that you ended up going with, uh, how did you find him? Like, how'd you guys meet uh, this particular artist? Yeah. Good, very good question. Yeah, actually with, okay. So hockey saint, um, there, there was one artist. Um, so I was looking through, I didn't have anybody in mind. So I was looking through, um, I think it was on Facebook actually. So, I, and I found these, uh, this whole group of these guys, uh, from Italy who were like doing like amazing stuff. So I got in contact with a bunch of them and uh, they were busy or whatever. So the one was like, you know, he's busy. He was like booked for a year, but his wife, uh, who was an artist, uh, he said she would like to, you know, he, he recommended her. So we, we went through the whole, you know, sort of the process. And, um, so she did, uh, Marika was her name. She did, uh, the hockey saint. And, uh, and, and actually in actuality, she came from an anime background. So that's why it has a little bit of the anime. Totally. It wasn't ne- necessarily by design. It's just that that was kind of the way um, she worked. Um, the guy who did the color for that um, had told me uh, after he was done, he's like, you know, if you're ever interested in, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to branch off from color, you know, and I'd like to give it, you know, give it a shot. And I, so, and he, Andres, so he did um, the Hockey Karma book, uh, both the lettering, or I'm sorry, the color and the, um, and the art. So, um, yeah, he's, he's done a lot of stuff with Marvel. I, I think he's done, um, uh, he did uh, uh, Star Wars, a bunch of Star Wars things. Um, I think he worked on Deadpool at some point, but again, all in the color color realm. So, uh, so yeah, it's fun for him, I think, to branch out and uh, take the whole the whole project on. And uh, he did a really good job. I, he's not necessarily anime, uh, but definitely Marika. Yeah, that was her uh, sort of her bread and butter. So that's how that came to be. Yeah, it's I love the anime sensibility of it, but it's it's just very clean and crisp art and I love that it just conveys the story which is focused around like just heart and you know this 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 sort of uh you know be- becoming a man and I love that people that are hockey fans are are just really the the more real people and the more well-rounded people that I've met mm-hmm. in the realm of hockey and you conveyed that here. So, you've obviously been a lifelong fan of hockey and that that con- it comes right across in this. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's really it's really well said because they're, I mean, the, the term hockey person. You know, yeah. uh, if you go down the rinks enough, and I'm sure you've been down, you know, with with your brother and and, and uh, you know, the, the hockey. It's just a, a kind of a unique and I wouldn't say a cult, but it's a, a, a group. And um, I mean, even like my dad and I. Um, my dad, uh, when I was playing in high school, 
Uh, my dad was, uh, he worked at, uh, it was a mortgage, um, he worked at a bank that uh, he helped uh, a mortgage collection. So that's what he did. Well, his best friend, when I was playing, one of the other fathers was a heart surgeon. If you put these two guys together, chances are in a normal situation, they'd have no, you know, <laughs> give or take or whatever. I mean, they wouldn't yeah. be nasty, but they wouldn't necessarily. Here, they were like, they were like the Bobsy twins. I mean, they, and, <laughs> and it was all because of hockey. And, uh, and I, I, that always stuck with me. Um, and again, the guys, uh, you know, who I played on my team with necessarily weren't, you know, I wouldn't have normally hung out with them in high school, but you know, we all were, you know, bonded through through the game. So I think uh, it's, it's a special thing. I, I, and I, I, you know, I explain that again when I do school visits or speaking engagements. It's like uh, hockey's a, a unique world, and um, you know, it's um, and everyone, you know, I shouldn't say everyone, but mostly everybody is is just great and. Uh, it's just a real, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be involved with. And uh, I just, you know, I, I, I really appreciate you saying that because that's, you know, I really wanted that to come across, that, that bond, um, which, again, I don't think other sports, football, baseball, whatever, basketball might have, you know, with the, especially people participating. I know I didn't get that from baseball, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's the only sport I follow. And, and one of those reasons being like the, just the hockey community of people, right? And you, Absolutely. And, you, and you captured that in both Hockey Karma and Hockey Saint. I found you totally organically by actually doing a search on Amazon, just those two, just three words, hockey comic book. <laughs> <laughs> and I did read Jeff Lemire's and he, he, uh, his art style, it just sort of, you know, makes you sad a little bit and it makes oh, yeah. you nostalgic. And uh, I was like, man, I hope there's something out there that's just positive and <laughs> just a little more centered around a positive sort of overall message and colorful and bright and uh, you captured all of that here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. His, um, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of his writing. The art, uh, you know. No offense. Uh, I mean, he's, he's obviously prolific. Uh, you know, one of the most prolific guys working today. But uh, yeah, the, you're right, though. It is kind of a downer. Um, we didn't necessarily <laughs> aim for like a real kind of happy vibe or whatever. But um, you know, and, and actually, in the first book, I, I didn't think um, Mike was. Uh, I was I was a little shaky with her doing the um, the hockey scenes, you know, hockey action scenes, so to speak. Oh, okay. um, so we we really cut back on those. I mean, I really ended up. I think we only used one, just because I, I mean it wasn't like her her thing. But um, but Andres, you know, we kind of went full board, so he was able to really do an excellent job. I think with uh, and it was funny because what I do is basically like Google um, like a two on one or a fight scene or whatever, and I'd send him either video or. Her pictures, and he was magnificent, able to interpret those and, and and bring those to the page. So, I mean, kudos to him for for doing that. I mean, he knew nothing about hockey, and um, so. It was, but that was kind of fun. I mean, one one little funny story is, you know, we you know how we have uh, uh, Pierre Maguire uh, is between the benches. You know, if you watch any of the national games, I mean, most yeah. of the local guys do that now too. Well, so we had this one guy who I wanted to base on Pierre Maguire, and um, so I sent him a picture. Um, of him between the benches, so and 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 I was saying how he's an announcer. Well, he put he bet Andres he put the two announcers, like the main announcer and the color man, and the uh, you know the Pierre Maguire character all behind the bench. I was like, no, that's just <laughs> it, that's it's just the, the one guy, you know, not all three. So uh, yeah, if you don't follow of... hockey, you're like, what? Why, why are they <laughs> separate? And there's just one guy. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Like, if you're not really yeah. in the world of hockey, no. it wouldn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Did you, yeah. uh, was this already written to completion, or were you, like, writing it as you were submitting to the artist? Like, a lot of comic book artists do. They, you know, they write, uh, the art writers do that, turn it into the writer. And it, was it progressing, or was it a completed story prior to the art beginning? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, the way I work, or at least try to, um, is get the full, full final lock version. And inevitably, we end up making uh, various you know changes or edits or whatnot as we go along. But by and large, I mean, I like to have a locked edit, although it's quasi locked because we end up doing you know various changes. But uh, but yeah, I like to get that in and have him work from there. And you know, in a good week, he, you know, the artist hopefully can get like three or four pages done. So it's a very long process. Um, you know, you're talking 130 page book. You know, uh, three pages a week. You know, it's it, it can be it can really drag. And um, uh, but yeah, I, I like to get that done. Um, yeah, I can't imagine working the other way because just again, you're always editing and. Um, you know, I go through like so much editing is actually my favorite part of the whole writing process. Um, getting the draft done is like pulling teeth, but once that's done and then you can start hacking away at it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy that. Was there a lot of hacking away from your original draft to when it actually, did you really hack away at it or was it pretty close to your original vision? No, it's, it's, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, I I work with a really good editor who, who, again, is not a hockey fan at all, but, uh, she's just amazing and, uh, she's able to see things that, you know, and again, what, you know, you know, this probably too, when, when you're in, you're so in the story, you can't sort of, you know, you have no, uh, you have no perspective, you know, everything sounds great. And then somebody says, well, what about this? You know, and most, and, and she's really good at that. She's able to take things that I don't see and, and, and. Um, yeah, so we ended up, uh, again, mostly just because I, I don't like them to be the stories to go, you know, I, I like 130, 35 pages, get up to 140, 150, you know, uh, I'm not a big fan of that. I just think it's kind of dragging and, and, you know, so yeah, we ended up whittling it down. Um, it, you know, if you, it's funny, if you would look at the very first draft and see the, this, the, the finished version, you think that's two different books, you know? Oh, okay. So. Yeah, so there, is, there tends, tends to be a lot. I mean, what I do sort of midstream also is get beta readers, and, um, you know, you have, uh, and they throw their opinions, and sometimes, you know, the, uh, you know I use those, um, take their words, sometimes not, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, so it's, it's a continual process, but I'd least like to have the, the skeleton, the most of it done, and then kind of work from there. Nice. I, I, I'm trying to be a writer myself. I do, I'm creating my own comic book called Zombie Destroyers, and, uh, I, I find my inspiration comes at really quiet moments, but I love asking writers mm-hmm. that. Where do you, where does, where, when does inspirado come from, and and what are some of the, maybe yeah. some of the techniques or or habits you do to to sort for of sure. help inspire you for writing? Yeah, yeah, you know, I actually most it's uh, when I I go to this one college every uh, I speak to this creative writing class every semester, and I, it's always something people ask. And it's a really good question. Uh, um, I mean, for me, what I'm doing is I'm I'm constantly writing if I'm. Um, the inspiration a lot of times will come from music. I'm a big music uh, fan. If I hear a song, something sticks out to me. Um, I'll write the lyric down or, or print the lyrics out. Um, that's where I get a lot of the inspiration. But I think what I always tell the students um, is uh, you really have to have your uh, eyes and ears open at all times. Uh, you know, whatever media it might be. I mean, it might be, you know, even just something where you work, your you know, friends, a conversation you hear uh, when you're walking down the street or uh, a TV show or a movie or something, you know. Uh, it's just like a constant thing. Um, and so what I do is I, I you know, have like, uh, I'll put, uh, I have paper um, in my, and I carry around various folded up pieces of paper, post-it notes, and I just slap them all together. And nice. at the end, I'll, yeah, and then I'll just kind of roll them out and uh, say, oh yeah, I remember that was good, that was bad. I don't know what I was thinking there. Um, I mean, even just like, like I heard uh, Genius Alien Child. Somebody said that. I don't know where I saw it. And I wrote it down. And I was able to work it in the story I'm working on now, put it in. 
um, you know, a lyric, song lyric, uh, something, uh, freaks come out at, uh, in, uh, it's, um, Skid Row, um, uh, <laughs> shoot, I can't think of the song. Um, uh, monkey business. Life. monkey business. No, no, All no, right. Monkey business. Yeah. Deep cut. Like, Second album. Out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the freaks come out at nine and it's quarter to 10. I'm, so I wrote that down and I'm hopefully be able to use, you know, stuff like that. I mean, nice. um, honeybee, uh, uh, Tom, Tom, uh, Tom Petty song. There was a lyric where it's, uh, uh, I'm the king of Pomona, uh, and, and so I'm using the next story I'm doing. It's called Queen of Kenosha because I like the lyric King of Pomona. Oh, nice. So, I mean, just stuff like that. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, again, that's I, I sort of work that way. Um, I wish I was able to, I mean, maybe you, you could do this uh, uh, where you just sit down and write and, you know, and then stop. It, it's with my job, I'm sure with your job as well, you know, it, it's like, okay, you have two hours to be creative. Well, that's very hard to do. So it's like I'm sort of always in the process, you know, great advice. Yeah. And I love speaking of music and I, it's neat how it so influences both uh, karma and saint is how you make uh, song recommendations. And they're all, <laughs> I love that they're all classic rock because you know, I mean, it fits so well with hockey. If you had said, you know, let's throw on lady Gaga or something. I don't know. It just might, <laughs> right. we, we know in the hockey community, classic yeah. rock fits and you made all those song recommendations like at each chapter. Yeah. Well, you know, they also kind of it's it's a it's something I really enjoyed, and I've got so many nice comments about it, so I keep doing them. Uh, it's sort of like a little window inside because what I do is those are songs either uh, they might have something to do with the chapter, or they they're something I was listening to when I was writing. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of a little bit of both. Uh, uh, sometimes, like I, the the way it started is when I did the first part. Um, it's called the Stereotypical Freaks, which is about the a garage band. So what I would do is like, okay, I was listening to that song and then the band in the story was playing it, would play it in that chapter. You know, I used a couple of Green Day songs, uh, Who, you know, and um, so that's how it came to be. And, uh, and then, but then I just kind of thought, well, you know, these are, these are songs I like and I'm using, I, I think they go along with the chapter. So, you know, if, if sometimes if you read the chapter, um, like we, in, in Hockey Karma, there was a line from uh, U2 song one. You know, I don't want to uh, drag the past. Is, is it too late to drag the past out into the night? And the and the and uh, Tom, the one character, says that line. And mm -hmm. so, so again, it's like a little bit of a um, you know, a little look inside or behind the scenes yeah. of how I do the chapters. Like a reflection back and forth of the music exactly. thing inspiring the mm -hmm. writing. That's that's sure. great. To drag the past out into the light. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I never got that he said that in the, in the book. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. When he was talking to. Uh, the, the girl uh, Jay Lith, he, he says that, and and it was just you know because they were in, in high school together and things like that, so it, it really applied. But I, and I was listening to it at that time, and so it's like almost like the chicken or the egg. With uh, I can't remember if I was listening to the song and then I came up with the line, uh, used the line, or if I had the line in mind and used it and then listened to the song, whatever. But it all kind of goes together. But uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, music is uh, uh, probably my number one uh, inspiration for sure. Is uh, Jake the primary character in both comics? Is he loosely? It is Jake, right? I'm so bad with names. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. no, is good. he loosely actually based on someone in hockey or an amalgamation of a few people? Like I already have a few in my head, but for you, yeah. was it? No, it, exactly. You're right. He was an amalgamation. Uh, I mean, the, the way it started out was um, in, in hockey. Saying I wanted somebody who was, you know, here we're in Pittsburgh. I'm in Pittsburgh. Sidney Crosby is like who everybody. You know, if you were, you know, even I'm not a big fan of uh, hero worship of, of anybody other than maybe your parents or family. Um, you know, if, if like my sons, I would say, you know, if you're going to look up to a hockey player or a sports or an athlete, I'd look up to Crosby. 
because, I mean, he's just, he carries himself well. He's very, you know, whether they win or lose, he's always talking to the media, et cetera, et cetera. And he's very charitable and all those kind of things. Um, so, but I wanted a player who was the complete opposite of that, you know, where it was like somebody who didn't really seem like he liked the game. I mean, like in, in Jake's case, he doesn't do interviews. He um, hates the media. Um, he's just, he's just like, I'm a hockey player. I like to play hockey and I don't like to have to do all these other things. Um, commercials, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Twitter, any social media, so on and so forth. He just likes to play the game. And so I wanted to have somebody who was like, again, the anti Sidney Crosby along those lines. There are two athletes that stood out in my mind were Jim Brown and, uh, Ricky Williams, who were you know, both retired early, uh, phenomenal players and incredible talents, but they, they always came across as not liking the game. They just, they, they just did it. It was something they did. So, so there was a little bit of them, and then also Arthur Ashe, because Jake's a very charitable person, and Arthur Ashe, at least in my mind, was one of the most charitable um, athletes throughout his career. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of a combination of all those guys. Uh, um, you know, when we did Hockey Karma, you know, Gretzky, when he retired, I wanted some have like that in there. There's some other players who would kind of hang on too long. And so, you know, again, it, it, the characters aren't necessarily like one specific person or a, a real amalgamation of a bunch of different guys. I, I liked even the extra touch you did with, uh, with the hockey card, you know, there's a, there's a, a G oh, hockey yeah. card. And I thought yeah. that's just an, you know, if, if, if uh, you're you know, hitting your demographic of hockey fans and you, you provided that little card. I just thought that was just a nice little extra touch, and it had that. It had a real, like a real feel to that card, you know, look and feel. Yeah, exactly. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, those are done by a company called Drop Cards, and uh, um, yeah, well, I wanted to get like a. Uh, I wanted to go. Uh, I, I searched um, like for cards from like 1920 and whatever. Some of the old, like Bowman was a, one of the first um, hockey card companies. So I tried to find those like where they were painted and uh, just a real kind of old school feel. And uh, I really liked uh, that kind of thing because uh, I, I collected hockey cards when I was growing up. So, uh, yeah, we did two of those, and, and those, those were a lot of fun. Just something different than just getting a bookmark or whatever. I wanted to kind of keep it, use an artist who uh, kind of specialized in vintage uh, art. So, uh, um, so yeah, it was, that was fun to do, and uh, those are those really well received as, also. Yeah, it just looks so legitimate, and it's just that mm -hmm. extra little touch I felt. To take thank this you. to yeah. the next level, that makes me love it so much. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. It means a lot. I appreciate it. But you're working on a, a, a ton of stuff, and you've done a bunch of things already. And what's some of the things on the horizon? Like, what are you working on now, if you can talk about it? Like, what's Sure. What's yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm doing um, – so I wanted to start uh, another trilogy because I think those work well. Um, this time I'm sort of doing a little bit of a backwards turn to music again. I, 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 I'm the, like I said, the story I'm working on is uh, um, the Queen of Kenosha. Uh, we're going to have a female lead. Um, it's sort of loosely um, inspired or based on the uh, Dangerous Mind, the uh, uh, Chuck Barris um, movie, if you remember from a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell, um, the whole Chuck Barris thing uh, was where he was a game show host, but he also claimed that he was a, a, a CIA agent. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, covert, of course. Uh, so in this case, this uh, so it's going to start in the '60s, and the um, the uh, female, uh, her name's Nina Overstreet. Uh, she kind of gets caught up in this um, uh, like an FBI plot to um, where there were Nazis who came over after World War II and settled in the U.S. and with the intent of starting a Fourth Reich. And this sort of covert FBI group goes out and basically tries to eliminate them. And so because she's a traveling musician, they ask her if she would like to join this operation. And so the idea is to take it from the 60s when it starts through the 70s, 80s, 90s 
Um, and sort of, again, touching on music as well, like all the different changes, like when MTV came in in the early 80s and 70s classic rock and, you know, so on and so forth. So um, kind of have her go from the 60s all the way through in the uh, in the upcoming books. So, uh, wow. Um, Sounds yeah. great. One of those, uh, when can we expect some of that to come out, like the first book to come well, out? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm actually in the writing process now. I have a really good artist lined up. Um, it's going to be a different artist than uh, Andres, um, using somebody new, uh, real talented artist named Erica Chan. Um, so it's about. I'm about three quarters of the way through the first draft. Um, she's going to start up in May, and we hope to have it out uh, October of 2018. So. Wow! Great. And you're going yeah. with the. Are you going with this format? It's a little smaller size, you know, in in collection. It's a. Uh, it's like what eight by six? It's like it's just a little smaller and exactly. Yep. Yeah. Six by eight. You got. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of. I, I I like to keep them kind of uniform. Um, you know, and uh, so yeah, that's that's the plan for sure. Oh, good. So we can keep uh, the you know the 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 the, the designated space on my <laughs> on my on my library shelf will be like the Shapiro area because it could just fit together. I like that. That's awesome. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. No. That's uh, yeah. We 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 talked. I talked with um, the the designer, book designer. And yeah. We we'd like to keep that, and it works well. And it's going to be again the same, like 130, 35 pages, and. Uh, um, so it's come along really good. I'm really excited. I got basically the other than Andres, uh, I still have the same letterer. We're going to use again, uh, again, different artists. And uh, she's also going to do the color. And um, yeah, so we got a pretty, uh, and my editor who I uh, worked with, the third book we've worked on. So I have basically the same team, and uh, it's 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 gonna be a lot of fun. It's, it's is it it's going through the same that. the same uh, the public the media group with Animal Media? Is it going through them Correct. again? Yep. Great. Yeah. yeah. So they they've, I mean, they're letting you do what you love. I mean, from from music stuff to hockey stuff to now your new series with you know Barris and espionage and and all of that. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's you're getting to do what you love. So maybe if we can. Leave us with um, what are some some things you'd recommend to struggling writers, writers and comic book creators out there, especially like what what's some advice you'd leave us yeah. with today? Oh, it's a great question. You know, it's a really good way to you know kind of wrap up because I think, and again, this is what I, when I go to the, the, the college and I speak to the creative writing class. I mean, the thing was when I um, was doing stereotypical freaks and I, I loved it and I had uh, I had an agent, everything was like really positive, and then the bottom fell out, nothing happened. And, and it was very frustrating. And so I had to go back basically to the drawing board and I pitched and pitched and pitched and pitched. And my thought was that, you know, you, as a writer, you really have to, you know, obviously have an iron stomach. And but also I think you, you just have to have that belief, a, a, an incredible belief in yourself and your work. And so if you pitch it to 50 people and they're not interested, 50 companies, maybe the 51st will that, you know, I mean, I was always determined never to stop, you know. And if I had to self-publish it, I probably would have, um, which, again, can be expensive and whatnot. But, you know, if you, you, the main thing is you have to have a belief in, in yourself and in your work. And that will go a long, long way towards uh, – uh, and it is. It's a bumpy road. And uh, just keep pitching, do a lot of research, really work at it. Um, I, I mean, I think that's the other thing for, for somebody who's starting out or um, – uh, or thinking about it is, you know, there's going to be a lot of work involved and you, you, you know, you, you get out of it what you put in. If you put a, a sort of a half hearted effort, don't really, you know, or if you go the other route and you're going to work as hard as possible to research on every single company, um, you know, whether it's uh, small or big, um, you know, find out, get in touch with people, ask questions. I mean, that was the other thing. I was very lucky. I put, I called them the big three. I had three guys who were unbelievably supportive and helpful who had no reason to i mean i was a, a, a nobody a no name still am but you know they, they they took time out of their schedule to say okay well this art works this one doesn't 
why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Um, very helpful, and, and I'll always be appreciative of that. So I'd say also seek out, you know, I mean, somebody like myself or whatever, somebody that's done it, ask questions. Um, so, yeah, main thing, belief in yourself and work hard. Those are the two things, and that will go a long way towards getting you published. Thanks, Howard. That's uh, that's very inspiring words. I appreciate that for me, myself, and I think the listeners will love that. And, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're following your dream. Are you able to – I mean, my dream is to – is to quit the day job and, and go into this full time. Is have you reached that yet? Are you still you working? You have a day job and this t- together, like juggling. Oh both? yeah, yeah for sure. You know, <laughs> I wish <laughs> uh, I'd love to be full time right now. It's uh, I'm an accountant for a visual effects firm, uh, which is I, I love. It's uh, I've been I've been an accountant for 25 some years, so uh, that's my bread and butter. And uh, writing is uh, a sidelight. Uh, it's almost like a job. It's almost like a second job for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, very few. I don't know what the percentages of quote-unquote full-time writers but uh um yeah it's it's hard it's really hard but it, but it's fun to be able to you know again like i have the accounting and the business stuff and so that's the one side of the brain and then the writings uh it's good to be able to use both sides that's great and you enjoy both uh, you know that's great mm-hmm. two passions yeah. running at the same time that's beautiful that's definitely inspiring i'm a big fan you don't have to be a fan of hockey to enjoy your comic book <laughs> Uh, hockey saint and hockey karma i found you right on amazon just by searching hockey comic book but um i already follow you on everything but please just tell our listeners where we can go get your stuff and find you oh for sure yeah i appreciate it very much um the uh twitter feed is at hockey player uh and uh so also on instagram uh i think my instagram is hfs222 um but yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and um howard uh, dot Shapiro at hotmail.com for uh, email and Animal Media Group is the publisher. It's all one word, Animal Media Group. Uh, so um, yeah, thanks. It's um, yeah. In October, so, well, what was your new stuff? You have a title? Was it still a working title for your work coming out in October? Or is your uh, title well, it? October twenty eighteen? It's uh, Queen of Kenosha. Yeah. So Queen we're of uh, yeah yeah. So uh, she comes from Kenosha, Wisconsin, which again was based on. The Tom Petty song, uh, Honey Bee, where they said the king of Pomona. So I don't know. <laughs> it works somehow, hopefully. You know, we'll see. And I've seen you with pictures of, of you know, the Penguins, Pittsburgh shirts. I've seen you with, with, with like, Chicago stuff on. But we're, your true heart is Pittsburgh, <laughs> right? True heart That's right. Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm a Pittsburgh resident. But, uh, you know, my, my favorite team growing up was uh, was the, uh, well, the Penguins. But, you know, you know how it is when you, you everyone has a favorite, a second favorite team you know, outside of the, their general area. So for me, it was the, the Toronto Maple Leafs because I love Daryl Sittler and, um, and also the Chicago Blackhawks because I love Bobby Hall. So those are my sort of 1A and 1B, 1B. team after the Penguins. So. Very nice. How do you like your Penguins' chances this year? I mean, returning chance, you think they can back-to-back yeah. it? Uh, I, you know, it's tough. I mean, I, I thought things were looking good, and it still might. Um, I, but when the Capitals got Shannon Kirk, I thought, ugh. You know, that's uh, that's a good you know, piece, right? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to they have a good shot. I, I, the funny thing was last year, I don't think anybody thought that it was just like, OK, they won the first series. Well, that's good because, you know, they'd been bounced before uh, and the second series. OK, well, they beat the Caps. That's good. And, and they just, you know, kept going and uh, <laughs> and they won. So, um, yeah, it's hard to say. I, I think they'll be in there. I, I, I you know, again. At risk of uh, jinxing them, I, I, uh, Capitals. <laughs> I, I, I think it might be finally the year, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, your Kings, uh, you know. Oh I, boy, I, I, they show you. <laughs> but when, if you get in, once you get in, anything can happen. Yeah, so. 2012 for us, right? We had a That's almost right. very similar, mediocre, crappy year, and then we got in. Look what happened: eight seed. Hey. 
Exactly. And, and the Penguins, uh, boy, oh boy, I mean, uh, 90, I forget what year it was. Uh, you know, they've been in that position too. And, and, you know, sometimes you come in seventh, eighth, whatever it might be, you know, and you just get on a roll. The goalie just, you know, is playing out of his mind. And, uh, you know, or somebody, you know, uh, like, like um, you know, an unsung hero comes in, you know, what's his name, uh, Shaw, for example, with Chicago a few years ago. Sure. That puts in six, seven, eight goals, whatever. Anything can happen. So once you get in, that's the key. And, you know, like for you guys, you know, you get, get quick on a roll. Um, you know, uh, anything's possible. So, yeah. yeah, I think they're a force to be reckoned with, though. I I, I don't see Washington, uh, even with Shattenkirk, uh, they just can't get past Pittsburgh. They just can't. They just can't. <laughs> well, just their, they, they their Achilles can't. heel, true. right? This, his Crosby in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. We'll but, see. We'll see. That's what makes it fun because, uh, um, you know, playoff hockey and regular season are like night and day, you know. And uh, they, they couldn't play playoff hockey for 80 games. That would be like physically impossible. Uh, but there, there's nothing better than those two months or whatever, day after day, you know. It's just the best. You know, I look, it's like the weather gets better it's just like the perfect time of year so um you know but i, I wish i wish your your kings all the best i was always a uh going back to marcel dion and charlie simmer and uh triple crown lines yeah yeah they were they were great teams and uh, obviously at gretzky uh, 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 towards the end of his career but, right um, in the twilight you know <laughs> yeah for sure so well i love it man you 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 pour your heart into your hockey comic book trade paper. I love them, and uh, thank you for doing them. They're very inspiring, and uh, I'm, I'm getting copies to family members that aren't even hockey fans. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, your your next year's October uh, coming out. But thanks again for your time, and, and yeah. I'd love to have you on again in the future. Like when you maybe getting close to releasing your next uh, trilogy, we can have you on again and talk about that some more. That would be wonderful. I had a wonderful time, and I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, for sure, let's. Uh, I'd love to do it again. Thank you so much. Thanks, Howard. You have a good rest of your day, and thanks again. Thanks, Chris. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Fun stuff. Thanks again, Mr. Howard Shapiro. Boy, that was just fun. It was informational. It was inspirational. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me for you coming on the podcast. So thank you. We'll get you on again before your stuff comes out next year, 2018 in uh, October. So also, if you yourself are a comic book creator, artist, or you're struggling to get into the comic book business... You're just uh, you're an independent uh, writer, colorist, ink. It doesn't matter. You're just trying to get yourself into the comic book biz, like myself. Just reach out to me. Definitely here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast. We want to do what we can to help you and get people to know about your work and and support you. So just send me a, a review copy of your work to my email, Chris at SunspotsComics.com, or of course just message me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Xbox Live, etc. At Sunspots Comics. So thank you very much. I'm an independent comic book creator myself, so I definitely want to do my part. To help. So now, on to the comic book news. This week I've actually got three articles of mention. The first one is a State of the Comic Book Union address, and then I have two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. <laughs> so let's start out with the State of the Comic Book Union address. And I, of course, always get my information from Comic Cron. You can follow them on the interweb. They are so informative. They are just masters of detail. They are at uh, ComicCron.com. And I just wanted to mention quickly that the month of February was a seriously good month of February. Every so often, I like to just kind of peek in and see how the comic book business is doing. There are 139,000 comic books, graphic novels in circulation uh, right now. So 
impressive and that number just continues to rise but i wanted to just give uh, props to the first uh three comics that sold the most in the month of february and i was a little surprised by them but not so much and i was glad that these were the top-notch comics this month so Coming in at number one was Darth Maul. The Star Wars series Darth Maul, number one, was the number one selling comic book of the month of February 2017. And uh, overall, by the way, comic books are up. You got about a 5% increase from last year, which is great. It's just a steady flow of increase at 5%, which is great. That's paper comics. Uh, that doesn't even include digital. So digital is like the cherry on top. But Darth Maul was the number one, and I love that they also throw you what the number 300 is out of all 300, and that was Zombie Tramp, issue number 32. So just kind of interesting to see the spectrum there from you go from Darth Maul, Star Wars, the number one seller, at 105,000 copies, and uh, the 300, that 4,000 copies, which is Zombie Tramp. I used to read it, um, but I don't anymore, but... Shows the average medium price of comics are $3.78, which is great. We all know that. We're all paying it. Hopefully, you're getting somewhat of a discount if you have a pull list. And uh, the number two and three, which are coming up right now, uh, I was a little surprised as well. And here we go. Um, February. Uh, number two is Batman. And number three is Batman. Number four is is uh, Super Sons, the uh, Jonathan, John Kent and Damien story of the two boys together and the uh, number uh, that's number four number five is uh, the DC Rebirth Justice League America so neat to see Batman doing really well with the number two and the number three with that bi-weekly release um, so they're uh, they're doing it right 102,000 copies for the f first um, week of Batman and 99,000 copies for the second uh, bi-weekly release of Batman so doing really super well and uh, another one of note is The Walking Dead which was, was a uh, the number six, so it's kind of like slowly making its way up there, but Walking Dead is always like within the top 20 for sure. But uh, there you go, there's just a little quick little State of the Union comic book address there for you to just see how comic books are doing, but makes my nerd heart happy that, again, compared to last year, we're at a 5% overall increase, so very good comic books, way to go. <laughs> and now breaking into my two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. That's right. And the first one is actually an article that I read on, uh, it's about IDW, and it, the article came from PublishersWeekly.com, and it's uh, kind of a neat expansion that IDW is going through, and if you're an independent comic book creator, this is good news for you. Uh, IDW has tapped a uh, the creator and, uh, and president and overseer of uh, independent comics at Vertigo. She's now uh, been tapped, her name is Shelly Bond, to launch a Black Crown comic books imprint. So this is with IDW, and it's basically copying the Image Publishing House uh, sort of framework of how they do independent comics, which is really keeping it creator-owned. So it's just a new imprint for them. So they're going to start, they haven't announced yet, but they're going to start seeing submissions of independent comic book creators that really they just want to have a unique imprint. I mean, he was, she was one of the founders. Shelley Bond was of the Vertigo imprint, responsible back in the days for bringing all kinds of great titles. So she's going to be headmanning this project at IDW. So more information to come very soon. But I will share this article, of course, on all the social media. But excited that Shelley Bond is going to be launching this Black Crown Comics imprint through IDW, which again is really copying that image publishing house. But I'm sure they want to put their own unique stamp on it with some interesting, unique, creator-owned comics. So I'm super excited, super stoked, because this directly relates to me and trying to get my Zombie Destroyers comic book made, of course. So very super exciting. Just another little area, another another bookmark that you can, you can check off here that you want to, if you're creating a comic book, go and submit to IDW for the Black, Black Crown comics imprint. So very exciting. And the second 
comic book feel-good factoid freebie comes from the io9 website io9.gizmodo.com and it's that ryan gosling is developing a comic book movie about deep sea ghosts <clears throat> excuse me and it's written from jeff lemire's series that i read and i loved and that was creepy and, and and interesting and sort of sad it's called the underwater welder it's a graphic novel about basically this scuba divers kind of haunted adventures in this deep sea oil rig uh it, it kind of fits right in to uh, again that movie abyss that i love so much and also there's the other one too that the name is escaping me but it's a of where the young woman is going to find out who killed her father in this underwater sea lab and uh it's just right in that vein but great that um ryan gosling is in there he's trying to pitch this he's trying to get the rights to it and he's really trying to make a film based on this graphic novel from jeff lemire called the underwater welder so super stoked about it it has um a very unique art style which is jeff lemire's art and so i wonder if they're going to be able to capture that stylized feel and look and sort of dark and sort of sweet but yet sad at times kind of feeling of this graphic novel so i'm excited i hope that he does a great job that's ryan gosling trying to develop the underwater welder from jeff lemire very cool so those are my two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. Hope you like those. And now on to, actually, I have a... What was that? That's right. Spider-Sense tingling. That's what that sound is. Yes. <laughs> so this article totally made my Spider-Sense tingle. Uh, so I just wanted to mention it quickly. It's from the WBUR.org website. And it's that MIT makes great steps towards mind-controlled robots. And I love that the visual of this, showing a lady sitting in front of a robot with two sort of buckets. One says paint, and the robot's uh, been given commands to put paint in this bucket. And the other one says wire, and it looks like the robot has placed wire there. But the woman's controlling this robot with her brain, with mind powers. And she's wearing this sort of skin-colored uh, skull cap, if you will. And it has these sort of red lit-up servos, these red dots. And she looks like Brainiac. Like, they're kind of light pink. <laughs> and it just sort of made me go, okay. So, if they're creating this pathway for the brain to create to... That, that, will, that they'll be able to create, uh, you know, communicate and give commands to uh, a robot with artificial intelligence. What's going to stop that two-way street? <laughs> if the technology gets so good and there's artificial intelligence infused into this technology. Where we can, where we can com like, control robots with our mind. And what's to say it couldn't go the other way? Yes, that's why it made my spider sense tingle. And I will definitely highlight this article on all the social media at Sunspots Comics. But MIT is doing it. They've made some 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 breaking ground on being able to control robots with their brains. <laughs> so there you go. That's all of the comic book news. So I hope you enjoyed that. Now on to my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, March 8th. And semi-spoiler-ish kind of alert. <laughs> Ring the bell. But really don't worry, I just work very hard on just trying to harness my powers of persuasion to you and just talk you into buying these comics. They're that good. I read 1.5 million comics this week, and I only picked the great stuff, so really, you don't really have to worry. All I'm trying to do is just inspire you to go and buy these, so have no fear, but just in case, spoilerish alert. And to see everything that I'm reading, all of my favorite picks of the week from May of 2015 to now, just go to sunspotscomics.com. Just click on pull list to see the 148 titles I'm currently buying and reading. Also click on top comic books of the week to see all of the past top picks. 
I recently just uh, made it kind of prettier, updated the site, added my newest poll list and my newest top picks to sunspotscomics.com. So I'm super proud of it. Please go check it out. And this week's artist winner of the week, which was just something like I've never seen before, was Fei Fei Ruan. Or Fifi? I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. For the glorious, glorious art on Jim Henson's Storyteller Giants, issue number four of four. And this work is so unique and so beautiful, it very well may be something I've never quite seen in comic books before. There's definitely a unique, uh, minimalistic approach that um, very much feels like it's on parchment, like it's just ancient Japanese style of art, or maybe like um, like old Greek art that you see on like the ancient pottery. Like it just this this art basically just transports you to another time. It's this beautiful, just fairy tale, and I just felt fully immersed in this world. It's it's very like I said, minimalist on a very white, um, sort of yellowish kind of parchment style background, and it's very sort of minimal lining that's done. So you have to sort of kind of move closer and peer into this art to really let it immerse you and I fell right into this world I mean it's just beautiful it's inspiring it's easily easily the art winner of the week you have to check out Fei Fei Ruan's work and I follow Fei 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 or Fifi sorry Fifi Fi Fo Fo Fum on Instagram <laughs> it's um Fei Fei Ruan also Fei Fei Ruan.com you can find him on everything that way. But the uh, art is truly inspiring, truly unique, just gorgeous. Definitely has this this very ancient on parchment kind of feel and look to it and this beautiful fairy tale. And like I said, I just I just fully was enveloped in the immersion of this world and I love it. And just you just got to put your eyeballs on it. I want to make a like take a picture of each one of the pages of this comic. I would never tear one apart, so I'd have to do, take pictures and just make like a poster size and some sort of frame. It's just it's just beautiful and gorgeous, and you've got to put your eyeballs on it. Trust me, put your eyeballs on it. <laughs> and the artist cover winner of the week, it's my favorite by far. It just easily stood out from everything else, was from Tyler Crook. Uh, he does the, the my, my favorite horror comic of all time, Harrow County. But he did the cover of Man-Thing from Marvel Comics, issue number one. And it's just monster madness. It has this classic monster look and colors from the green and the yellows. Even the font of Man-Thing is just very monster movies from the 60s, which I love. His, uh, his just like his deep, dark, rich watercoloring style continues to just take my breath away. It really is just astounding. I, I took pictures of it and actually added it to all of my wallpapers on everything. From my phone to my work computer to my home computer. I just love looking at it. It has Man-Thing in this awesome pose and like California and sort of a, a mock-up of the Hollywood sign just burning in the background. And that ties into the story as well. But how he does uh, the skin of Man-Thing is just something so beautiful and glorious. You have to look at it. Like I said, his deep greens and dark colors and how he lives in the shadows of how Tyler Crook draws is just it's phenomenal. It's He's A+. Plus in the biz as far as I go and then go look at Harrow County you'll see what I'm talking about but his man thing cover was the one I kept looking at over and over and over again so thank you very much Tyler Crick you are definitely my cover artist winner of the week he didn't do the interior art which I would have loved that too but he did this glorious glorious cover for man thing issue number one so check it out another breakdown I actually purchased 25 comics this week and eight of them made it to the great ones recommendation list and that that is less than that 50 percent where i really am trying to hit that 50 didn't make it this week but eight of them didn't make it there and new number ones i always mention how many number ones have come out this week 
Three weeks in a row, another gigantic week of new number ones. There were seven new number ones this week out of the 25 that I bought, which is huge. That's three weeks in a row where I believe I had at least seven for the last three weeks that were all brand new number ones. That's exciting. If you follow comics, there is nothing like the hope that comes with a new number one issue. You want to be there from the beginning. So I constantly peek into those with, with my, my heart filled with hope. And man, three weeks in a row with seven each. But... Only two of them made it to the great ones list, but the two that made it are amazing and definite buys, which I'll discuss here in a second. So, let's get into my top comic book recommendations. This is my great ones list. And I tell you, New Comic Book Day, March uh, 8th, was a great week of comics. I consider these eight, though, that I'm going to be talking about to be the greatest of the great ones. And only the great ones make it to my Sunspots Comics recommendation list. So here we go. This is The Great Eight. Coming in at number eight is from Image Comics. It is Copperhead issue number 11. And this is from writer Jay Farber, artist Drew Moss, and colorist Ron Riley, which great colors on this. But we haven't seen Copperhead for a while. This ultimately in a gist is this far away offland. It feels like the show Serenity and Firefly. It has that feel to it where things are a little dirty and grimy and they seem to have a Western motif to it. But it's very much science fiction, very otherworldly on this other planet that is focusing around this young woman that is the sheriff, that is thrown into this crazy world where she has to be the sheriff, and she's doing her best to kind of hold it all together, but it's um, a lot of, of these sort of backwoods folks that are doing some horrible things in town. I don't want to spoil it of the whole first arc. Or maybe the, that was the first two arcs, but they all seem to go really well together. I don't see them as like two separate stories from issues one through ten. It was just one arc of this family doing some horrible things and this new sheriff in town trying to 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 make some some calm and bring this bring the madness uh, down to where this this town can can flourish because it's uh it's definitely messed up but this starts a new arc where our main character the woman the sheriff her son is befriended this uh this artificial this synthoid uh humanoid uh in the outskirts of their town which is kind of in the middle of nowhere where they live and he's sort of lacking that father figure in his life. And that's why this sequence really kind of spoke to me because it's very heartwarming and it's very much a young boy trying to find out if he can receive fatherly advice from this artificial intelligence synthoid robot. And they have a really interesting conversation in this opening sequence. And that grabbed me. Like, that was enough right there. But we pick up where the sheriff is. Uh, there's Someone has, has shot the mayor uh, there, and the sheriff, Mr. Mayor guy, uh, is gone, is dead. And she is, of course, hot on the trail of suspects and trying to figure out who did this. And the first person that's on the run is the secretary of the mayor. And she just immediately bolts. So it's a chase. And that's the second sequence. It's this great chase scene of this sort of octopus-like humanoid that she's chasing through this town. But it's just so interesting. All the Western feel is, and motif is just infused into this whole very science fiction uh, world. And I love that because it just very much, like I said, feels like... Serenity and Firefly. So if you love Serenity and Firefly, get Copperhead. It is a must grab for you, and that's why it's my number eight of the week. I'm glad to see a new arc beginning, so you can jump on right now, right here, with issue 11 of Copperhead. But coming in at number seven from Image Comics as well, Motor Crush, issue number four. And this is uh, written by creators Brendan Fletcher, Cameron Stewart, and Babs Tarr. They were the team that did Batgirl for a very long time. And this is their story of this unique young woman that uh, races motorcycles, but uh, there's this uh, material called Crush that's kind of like nitrous that people use in their vehicles, but she inhales it. 
in an inhaler and it, it gives her sort of superhero like powers and uh, the ability to be this amazing driver but she doesn't very much know much about her and she kind of finds out in this episode that maybe her father isn't her actual father I'm not gonna say if it's for sure but you have to read it and and she has to come to grips with that and and realize that maybe who she thinks she is she really isn't and this has a flashback scene of her father and kind of how it um, brings to home that question of if he's her real father and that to me was really what grabbed me in this and they show uh, the young woman here with the 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 crush material but a different sort of version of this nitrous slash crush material and that she has to ingest it and, and most people can't they ingest it they die but for some reason she needs it so I'm liking that you're introducing her as this unique sort of mysterious character that may um, who knows be created in a lab or she uh, is just some sort of this uh, genetic anomaly that was around that uh, crush material and needs it to live but I like that it's kind of just uh, giving you enough to be really interested here and it's kind of building a very nice mystery and there is this sort of very awkward conversation that uh, that she has with her ex-girlfriend and she's sort of trying to put it together but whenever she sort of tries to be good it just falls apart and it feels very genuine here and she's really trying but at the same time she is herself and she is now um, trying to pay off debts of her ex-girlfriend so that this the this this cr criminal organization will get off of her ex-girlfriend's back and so she's she's kind of heroic in that way and I like that feel as well so it's it's got a lot mixed in here it's very much in the future it very much has this speed racer kind of feel to it so if you like speed racer if you like a, a story with a nice mystery in the science fiction blend of things and then mixes in you know motorcycle racing this is definitely for you I I was kind of at, at the very start of it it was one that was just very good and wasn't making the pick lists but now I, I think it's just getting better it's found its its groove its rhythm and it knows where it's going and I like the direction it's going in. This is It kind of feels like a jumping off, like a new arc in a way, but it's only issue number four, so it's really not. But get Motor Crush. It is good stuff. And like I said, Speed Racer, Futuristic, Science, it's all kind of blended in there in the story with a heart. When this now, this woman has to realize, is she adopted? Is this really her family? Well, you know, she doesn't really know much about herself. So interestingly written, well done and fun and beautifully colored and just the blur of speed is just so fun here. Like I said, Speed Racer is what just continually pops into my brain. So that's my number six uh, or my number seven. So number six is the Silver Surfer issue number nine for Marvel Comics. And this is by Dan Slott, written by Dan Slott and beautiful art by Michael Allred and coloring by his wife, Laura Allred, the husband and wife team here. And this is just a neat, uh, just out there, galactic romp of space uh, with Silver Surfer and his uh, girlfriend, his love interest, Don Greenwood. So he's kind of, how would uh, someone as uh, powerful as him in that galactic sense of things uh, go, uh, you know, treat a girlfriend? What would they do? And that's kind of what is addressed here. He just says, hey, where do you want to go in the galaxy? Anywhere. What, what do you think of this quadrant of the universe? She's like, sure. So they're just sort of exploring, and they see some really uniquely drawn planets here. I don't want to explain all of them, because they're very lovingly drawn by Michael Allred. And their coloring, Laura, color, Laura Allred's coloring is so bright, so vibrant, so just beautifully colored, and perfectly fit for Silver Surfer with all these other galaxies and planets that they're exploring. It just, and they finally land on this Incandesa 4, which looks very much 
like the Jetsons planet. <laughs> and and they're they're the people are friendly, they're very well dressed. It almost looks like they're sort of like kind of 40s 50s uh, sensibility with their outfits and how they're how they're how they're dressed. And it's just a very clean-cut society. It all seems very happy and you're wondering what that that underbelly of ugliness is the whole time as you're going along. Well, you find out, and it's a very unique present. I promise, I don't want to sort of ruin it for you, but what's going on in this clean-cut, beautifully colored planet is definitely unique and interesting, and it's a great little twist that I didn't see coming, and I loved living in this little world. Um, it has to do, but it feels like The Matrix in a way. So if you like The Matrix, and you like very colorful, galactic, uh, expo exploration sort of science fiction comic book, Silver Surfer is for you. This is a great jumping on point because they've sort of uh, unlatched the caboose of story that was uh, attached to this before and it, it's sort of creating this new arc going forward from here where someone is sort of following them and that's the only sort of thread that has some continuity to it. But like I said, it's the exploration of galaxies and planets and when he comes across this strange uh, Incandesa 4, uh, it's... it is... Uh, it, just really surprised me. And I love when comics do that. So I just can't tell you anymore. I don't want to ruin it for you. But Silver Surfer. It's absolutely gloriously drawn. It's super science fiction galactic fun. Get Silver Surfer now. Great jumping on point right here. Because like I said. The only thin. Which they do show a little sequence of it. Of this person that's following the two of them. So check it out. Silver Surfer issue number 9. And coming in at number 5. Is Detective Batman. Issue number 952. So Detective Comics Batman issue number 952. This is the League of Shadows, League of Shadows Part 2. Called The Five Fingers of Death. But this is well done. I, I was, again, shocked that Detective Comics is still doing it. But this is focused around Cassandra, the story of the orphan, who I love just going back into the, into the late 90s in her, um, her Batgirl run. But uh, now she's called the Orphan, and the League of Shadows have attacked Gotham City, and they've really ramped up the terror level for the League of Assassins. I tell you, I'm they it's it's uh, they've powered Batman down, <laughs> and they've uh, geared up the, the the League of Shadows. It's um it's frightening, <laughs> uh, and I would definitely um, leave Gotham, which is what a lot of people end up doing here. But the opening sequence. Shows Lady Shiva, and uh, you get to see how powerful and how much of an amazing uh, fighter she is. That she's fighting Batman, and he's having a difficult time with her. He just mentioned that he fights her before and wins, but she even says then she was playing a part. And she handles Batman way too fast here. And then there is some things that happen to the Bat team that really just made my jaw drop. Like, there are some real stakes here. Uh, there's Azrael, and there is uh, the... the um, you know, Batgirl's in this, and Batwoman is in this, and it's, uh, some things happen here that were really kind of shocking, and I, I wonder where they're going with this, I don't want to ruin what it is, and again, I'm trying not to spoil it for you, but another great issue of Batman, I'm loving where this League of Shadows is going, and, uh, we even have Kate, Batwoman, that goes to her father for help, because ultimately, uh, Gotham is leaving, they are leaving the city, they're killing lots of people, there are these, uh, League of Shadows, um, sort of agents that were that were hidden there were like secret cell agents that were hidden in Gotham and now they're they're sword wielding and they're killing people and they're amazing martial artists and Batman is even like using his 
his uh his batarangs in this and he's he's you're I'm, I'm missing some of batman with gadgets and you get a little of that here because they've kind of like i said de-gadgetized him and brought his power level a, a little bit down because this is more about the ensemble but he when he asks clayface for backup you have to see this sequence and what clayface does for backup of course he's able to uh oh, i don't want to ruin it for you but what clayface does for backup is, is just exciting and awesome and very visually stunning and uh, i'm loving that loving that loving that but uh, this is also written by James Tinney in the fourth, and this is a writer I'm not totally familiar with, but I really enjoyed the writing. And uh, the last name of the writer is coming up, and it's uh, Loose. It's um, oh, Deuce, I'm sorry. Christian Deuce is the artist. <laughs> and there also shares the art team. There's a few other artists in here, Fernando Blanco. But you can never really tell. They really stay on point and make it very similar to themselves and don't really try to branch out and stand on their own. They want to have a very... A uniform look in it and it's just exciting it's action it's batman doing what he's doing it's the league of shadows and the stakes are real and the team is not doing so good here but you got to see clayface when he's back up it's awesome <laughs> so that's my number five and coming in at number four is the first of the two number ones that made it into the countdown it's from boom studios it's grass kings this is from matt kint uh, written and Tyler Jenkins is doing the art. I know they did this Peter Panzerfeld. Uh, I'm probably messing the name up there. They did it together. Well, this is them doing this. And this was uh, the cover with um, a man in this very rusty kind of town that looks like he's in kind of a junkyard. He's holding a hockey stick. And of course, I'm a big hockey fan. And uh, I just kind of gravitated to that. But it's got this gorgeous watercoloring style to it. And it's just otherworldly but it has a very native american story that's being told here so there's this layout of this beautiful land and it's sort of the history from 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 like the 1400s to modern day and how the land has just sort of evolved and how it was originally owned by this small uh native american uh village sort of just a small family of of native americans that lived in this village but they were in this in this war with this other uh indian village and and it's a little bit of that kind of showing the history of this particular plot of land and it's an important setting because you uh, i don't want to tell you all the stuff that happens in that little indian in the little indian, in the indian sequence native american indian uh, sequence but after that it sort of shows where the land is today but giving you sort of the history of sort of why that land is important because it's ultimately kind of like um the other image book that uh, it's uh, that is of this sort of compound or this um, this this small family-owned uh, kind of defecting from the rest of uh, the the nation, having their own little town and uh, Briggsland. That's what it reminds me of, because they're they're setting up borders. They have their own rules, and people are not allowed. And that's what you ultimately see from the opening sequence: is the sheriff just throwing out this young kid that was nosing around their town so it's like okay it's feeling like Briggs land but then it adds something unique like I said with showing the importance of that land and how it's an ancestral lineage that's that's on this plot of land in the in the Midwest somewhere uh, called the grass kingdom but it's just this this watercoloring style that's gorgeous from when he's standing near a lake and a river and he's driving through this town talking to this young kid about why he's not allowed in here and why this is their rules and that they are in a gray area that the government leaves them alone but yeah they've they've got walls and they do they just this this policeman sort of in a rambo like style like the movie rambo just takes them and walks them right out of town and says sorry you're not needed here and the, you come to find out why that kid was not just aimlessly nosing around there was a reason 
and it and it comes from the sort of owner or leader or whatever it is of this his compound uh his uh, his daughter went missing and so it's a little focused around that Did she go missing was she killed we don't really know but there are outside government influences that are trying to find out exactly what's going on with this daughter that's the gist of this story but it does a great laying some great foundation work for a very interesting cast of characters uh, from the family that is running the compound and the, the three brothers primarily that are running this compound but interesting story and beautifully drawn and almost uh, in a way the this sort of ethereal fairy tale like watercoloring style of art is a is a unique and different way to tell this kind of story very kind of like I said Briggsland uh, you know community compound defected from the government sort of story so uh, but I'm interested I want to see where this definitely goes like I said setting up a great foundation an interesting uh, general premise and uh, some great development of some interesting characters here that are the main players so I'm in I'm totally in that's Grass Kings that's why it's my number four pick of the week now here we go now breaking in and busting into the top three this is the big three right here folks so coming in at number three from Marvel Comics is Man Thing this was the cover artist winner of the week with Tyler Crook that does the Harrow County art it's gorgeous it's it's amazing this beautiful pose of Man Thing in his oh so monstrous ways just pose there it's awesome but Man Thing is the two, number two of the two number ones that made it into the countdown this week and glorious beautiful cover art winner like I said I need it on everything I need a poster I need uh, something I'm gonna I'm gonna be hunting it down <laughs> But this is a great little introduction. Uh, this is art by, uh, also you have additional art. Francisco Francavilla is one that comes right into mind. But uh, this is written by R.L. Stein of the famous for his, his, his work that he did, does on the uh, Goosebumps series and movie. R.L. Stein. So there definitely is a heavier weight to the writing upon this. It, it, you can definitely feel that you have an experienced writer on here. And it's sort of the origin of Man-Thing, a little different from how I remember the origin, but just kind of let that go, folks. Just enjoy this ride. But they start in this sequence with Man-Thing fighting this crazy scorpion man. And it's just movie monster awesome, right from the get-go. And as that fight is going on, which I don't want to tell you how the fight goes down, but it's very beautifully drawn and the action scene is great, they yell cut. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? And Man-Thing speaks, which is weird because he didn't before. He talks a little bit on that <laughs> and how that happens. And he, uh, they, it's filming a movie. I thought that's the one little goofy thing was, or sad thing was when uh, he has to go and speak to sort of his agent and it doesn't go that well. It's just sort of like very much of the office uh, awkwardness going on. I love the, the TV series, The Office. And it reminds me of that because there's this man thing. He's dripping on his, his Italian carpet, which he tells him, hey, you're dripping on my carpet. And hey, don't. Don't sit on the couch. I just had it reupholstered. And it's this, you know, this very bougie uh, Hollywood agent. Very well, Arnold Stein, very well captured, uh, I'm sure, from his experience with these people. <laughs> but it's a sad sequence where Man-Thing is standing there wanting to be in his own movie called Man-Thing. And they're not sure that's the direction they want to go in. <laughs> with him playing himself when he's a true life monster. <laughs> I just thought, wow, that... That is messed up. Just another little glimpse into how Hollywood is just, it just ain't right. <laughs> but then there's more to it. There is this flashback scene of the origin of Man-Thing, which is great and interesting and exciting and fun. And how he's a scientist in a cabin, which is always very strange, like with this and Swamp Thing, right? Scientist out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but, of course, using uh, 
modern technology to infuse some of the the fauna and things that are found in a swamp etc for using uh to try to create the super soldier serum ultimately and it just goes all wrong but it's just a great little origin it's kind of that old flashbacky style of monster origin and rl stein did a fantastic is my writer winner of the week definitely just because of how it was so well paced and you could tell it was a pro writing it and the way that uh, the thought bubbles really explained very well as to what was going on in Man-Thing's head and it was just definitely an experienced writer and experienced feel here setting a great stage for a new you know take on Man-Thing but I think it's it's still very much owed to the original but it, it's definitely doing its own thing but there's a double cross that happens here in his origin that was a little bit uh, just he was blindsided I was blindsided and it's it's just a, a a great little romp, a great little fun monster movie that you you have to experience. Uh, don't pass it up. If you if you thought oh man things like Swamp Thing or whatever it is, just kind of get that out of your head. Just go with it. It's a great comic. It was so much fun, and I added it to the pull list along with the other number one, of course, too. Can't wait to read more of it. That's Man Thing. Go grab it. Definitely uh, get, just look at the cover, the, especially the two. But Tyler Crooks to me is my is hand down the best. It's my favorite. Gorgeous. And the uh, number two is that really I have to give a special mention. It's the second place art winner. My number two pick of the week is volume two, issue number four of Lady Killer from Dark Horse Comics. This is uh, art, inks, finishes, colors by Joel Jones. I'm sorry, colors by Michelle Madsen, but everything else done by Joel Jones, including storytelling and all of the art and she's amazing no one does the eye better than joelle jones does it's just gorgeous and that's what she really um she's doing here with the lady killer character she's just gorgeously drawn it's something out of the 40s 50s it has this mad men feel to it and she is in a hired killer in this strange little very politically correct world and how she's dealing with that and struggling with that trying to keep a family and her two twin daughters uh, it's just so interesting. And now she has this, the, the cleaner in this crazy assassin world she lives in, uh, Irving, that is uh, is kind of falling, uh, coming off the rails, if you will. He enjoys cleaning up after her kills, but he's getting way too close to her personal life. It seems like every issue is coming a little bit closer, a little bit closer. There's even Irving having ties with her mother-in-law. And there was a flashback of that in issue number three, which you have to see. So it's all just getting too personal, too close. Irving has crossed that line. How is she going to handle him? He is in himself a psychopath and a murderer, which she is. She isn't a very kind of likable character. I mean, she's beautifully drawn. And the art style in this is, like I said, madman and gorgeous and so chiseled and clean and realistic. And all of the eye work that she does, there is no one better. Honestly, I'll say that. Joelle Jones is gorgeous. And, and just her... Her, the true physicality of, of the physics of each person that she draws. It's just so real feeling. It's just a real feeling space because of just the gorgeous attention to detail in her art. It's um, it's just, it's glorious. And even the attention to like the 40s, 50s TV dinners that go flying as she's having this sort of scuffle with Irving. I mean, is she going to just end him? He's the one that's really good at cleaning up the scenes and is very CSI tactical about how he makes sure there is absolutely no evidence left to trace back to her being on a murderous, crazy rampage, uh, hired assassin, if you will, killer. And yeah, I love the tension here. I love the the story that's written here of this of this cleaner, two psychopaths coming together and how they're going to make this work. And it's definitely crossed the line. It's involving her husband now and the husband is seeing some things here. 
and there's just this glorious sequence there towards the end where she is just standing in this uh, moonlit um, part of her home and the silhouettes hitting her and it's just the grandmother or the mother-in-law standing there too and it's just you can't help but just stop and you know, just jaw drop and just wow at, at Joelle Jones's skill of art is truly inspiring and beautiful and gorgeous even if it weren't an interesting story it would be enough just to get it for that but it, they've tied it together it's comics at its best with great storytelling and amazing art but Lady Killer two psychopaths Irving Versus our lady killer character. Where's this going to go? He's crossed the line. It's too personal. What will happen? Tune in next time. (laughs) It's been delivered on time too, which is very nice. But here we go now. Coming in at number one. Easily the number one winner. Easily the art winner of the week. In that style, as I told you, of the ancient parchment. The ancient Japanese art from Greek uh, art that's on on vases and vases, etc. It's just glorious. It's just gorgeous. It's Jim Henson's The Storyteller Giants, tale number four and four. And the cover is like Zeus sort of in the sky, this cloud-like figure that has the formation of a face and a a man sort of holding a sword uh, that looks like he's going to be fighting. And there's like these sort of Indian uh, dwellings and Indian um, architecture in the background. It's just, it's just beautiful. And he's standing on a, a boat that's sinking as he's holding his sword. And he's fighting against the clouds, about the cloud god. But it's, it's just gorgeous. And the framework of the initial pages that really set this stage of this fairy tale, it just seems like this should be in a, a gold lame style book with a leather exterior. And I can't wait to see them collect all the giant series. I'm sure it's going to be, because it's by Archaea Comics, by the way. And they do such a glorious job of all their presentations. The paper stock, the paper, um, the shimmer quality, um, even their their covers have a sort of additional uh, pound, like maybe up to 70 pounds of uh, the, uh, the style and the cover. Uh, it's just solid top-notch work. This is by Fifi, Fifi Ruan. I'm so sorry if I missed your name up. Please forgive me. And uh, it's just glorious work. This is this, this beautiful fairy tale. I mean, maybe it's because... I just recently became a grandfather, (laughs) and I want to read this to my granddaughter uh, when she gets a little older. But this is definitely that fairy tale adventure. I was fully immersed in this. The framework, as I said, is just gorgeous that that frames each page, and then you live in these sort of uniquely shaped panels, all with like kind of three colors, four colors, if you will. There's like a red, a green, a blue, a black, and I guess there's a white. And it's very minimalist style, as I said, but it has this very... Like this, the, even the tone and the color and the feel of the of the paper in the background is kind of on parchment. It has that little bit of yellow tone to it, and it's just this this beautiful tale of this giant and this man that is sailing uh, through to this this island and comes across uh, this this bounty of fish, and he's 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 you know loving it, and he's like I can feed my family, and he has this this look of pride in his face that he's happy that he can provide, and then the fish start speaking to him that they need help. And these, these like almost koi-like Japanese fish, like I said, but then there is like Indian. It's just this multitude of sort of cultures. You can't really pin it down to any one particular culture, really. But I see Japanese, I see Indian, and I see you know Greek. And these koi-like koi pond fish are speaking to him out of this this gorgeous net that he pulls in and brings in a just a, a giant pack of fish and they speak to him that they need help that they're not actually fish they're people that have been turned to fish from this evil giant 
and he takes it upon himself in a very heroic way. He wants to feed his family in one way. He's tempted to turn around and leave, but you know he 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 feels he has to help. He has that hero that heroic nature inside of him, and that's another seller. He just this man just goes and helps when really he didn't have to, and he goes out of his way to to maybe help free these people, these talking fish. He believes them wholeheartedly. And this fish tells this tale of how the king came to be. And I don't want to ruin that for you, but it's a very Zeus-like king of the clouds. And, and he he's a master of the elements. And, and the people before him in his village, uh, they did something. There was an event that actually happened that turned him very much against humans. I don't want to say what it is, because it's beautiful. And you'll love to live in this little world. And it seems justified. He's that angry and he's powerful and he becomes this giant and he turns the entire his entire uh, village into fish. And so there is this 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 battle. This man goes forth after he hears this story from the fish to see what he can do to save the day. And there is this castle, this glorious castle that has a that's that's laid upon a skull. It almost looks like when you see candles coming out the top of a skull, but it's actually it's the castle, and there's the skull in the bottom, and the entrance, the opening of the mouth is the entrance to this beautiful castle. And it's a little bit of that Beauty and the Beast, where nothing in this, this village looked like this before, until the people did something to him, and he turned against the people. But um, there was a war that ensues, and there's a little bit of that. And of course, it's constantly sprinkled in with that old man and dog sitting in that living room next to that fireplace, telling this whole story. Uh, which is that great kind of princess bride feel to it. And the banter between this talking dog and the old man is just, it's glorious and it's beautiful. And they go back and forth, and I love that. But the dog is always like hesitant to hear the stories, but then loves them as they're going along, very much like Princess Bride. But I just, I love that. And there's even these talking mice in it that are giving the young man some advice. And he has uh, in, in one of those... Those vases, he has the one of the fish that's sort of telling him where to go, and the mice are there telling him to turn around, and there's these talking mice, and again, it has that little bit of that Beauty and the Beast feel, and it's just so gloriously drawn. There's a, there's right around the staple line, there's a beautiful, like two page or singles, two single page splashes, and the and the framework of this is glorious, and the way that the art is told between these sort of pillars, it's just it's. It's beautiful. Almost brings a tear to my eye. It's just gorgeous. And like I said, in this very minimal art style done on like parchment. But great story. Wraps up really quickly. I, I wanted more of this. I wanted to live in this world. I definitely can, can say I haven't seen or maybe have ever seen this sort of approach to art style. The framework of it. The panels are unique. Um, from like I said, uh, that very fairy tale like um feel and again that very ancient feel to it it's just beautiful the way the king is drawn he has like this phoenix sort of feathery flame on the top of his head it's just it's glorious it's beautiful and it's something that i'll never forget uh, ever and i'll definitely keep it aside to read uh to my granddaughter one day <laughs> but anyway there you go those are the great eight i really hope you go to a local comic book shop and buy all of these i know that the Archaea stuff is hard to find with Jim Henson's Storyteller Giants, but do what you can to reach out and find it. It's it's worth it. And I know they're going to collect all four. I hope they do more. Like I said, there's been the Jim Henson series, uh, the, uh, the, the Witches, Giants, Dragons. Those are the three that come right into my mind. And I hope they collect them all into a beautiful, laden gold, leather-bound thing that Archaea does. You know that they do. <laughs> but I can't wait. But those are all my top recommendations for New Comic Book Day, March 8th. Please just... Go to a local comic book shop. Tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. 
and buy them immediately. If you have any questions, comments, or you'd like a personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly at chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email and I read it on a future podcast, I will send you a comic book related prize as a thank you for me. And please sign up for our email newsletter. It's on sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And tune in next week. Next week, uh, issue number 98 of the podcast, I will be grabbing 20 comics, but of the 20 that are on my pull list, there's also five new number ones coming out. This is for March 15th, Wednesday, March 15th. So potentially I'll be reading again about 25 comics, and some of the stuff that's that's coming out that I'm really, really excited about, just to give you a little glimpse into what's coming out Wednesday, March 15th, new comic book day, in no particular order, Star Wars Poe Dameron's coming out. Monsters Unleashed, the five of five, the, the finale of the Monsters, Marvel's Monsters Unleashed story. I've been loving that. Uh, the Mighty Thor is coming out next week. Killer Be Killed. Invincible 134. They are wrapping that up. It's the end of all things. 12 issues uh, total to the wrap up to the end, and one has already passed. So 11 to go till the end, end, end of Invincible. Go get Invincible if you haven't grabbed it. I Hate Fairyland. Where has that been from... From Scotty Young, finally it's back. Issue number 11 next week. I hate Fairyland. I just love cracking up through the whole thing of I hate Fairyland. But that's just a little snips, a little a little taste of what's coming out and I'll be discussing in podcast issue number 98 next week. It's going to be an amazing week. I know it is. It is every single week. But I'm really excited, especially about Invincible and, if you, and some of the stuff coming out. So please just subscribe and listen in. If you hit subscribe, you never have to worry about missing anything. And there will be a lot more interviews coming up. Thank you again to everyone that's uh, still on standby. I'm definitely um, liking the pace here of having guests on and interviewing more people. It's really going to happen this year a lot more. So thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me that you're tuning in and listening to the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it, especially this issue. It feels like a, the hockey infusement of the, of the episode, which I love hockey and I love comic books. And again, thank you, Howard Shapiro, for bringing those two worlds together. Go check out his comic book, Hockey Karma and Hockey saint on amazon.com just just put in those search words but please subscribe to us if you can if you want to just give a little back go to itunes give us a five-star review and give me a little positive review it really helps the podcast and it helps me and it makes me really feel good and i will thank you personally on a future podcast i got some coming up that i have to thank some folks that have given me some nice reviews on itunes but please do your part i'd really appreciate it and i'll leave you with some very wise words from hockey's great one, Wayne Gretzky, which is, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. I'm sure you've heard it before. There's more to that quote, but I love that. You miss 100% of the shots you never take. And be like water, of course. So thank you again. Talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See ya. Later.